Welcome to the Modern Jewish Girl Podcast. I'm Jenna, lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in the holy city of Jerusalem. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hi friends, welcome back. I am so happy to be here and very excited about this week's podcast, which is a conversation between myself and my friend and filmmaker, Becky Tahel. A little bit about Becky. Becky is an Israeli-born, Los Angeles-based creator of what she calls conscious content, and we're going to unpack that phrase a little bit in this conversation. She was most recently the senior writer and producer at Jay Shetty's Global Media Company, where she produced over 30 million views for a handful of global influencers, including Gabby Bernstein, Matt Kahn, Lori and Chris Harder, among others. Becky founded Manifest Media, love that name, a conscious content studio with her husband Nathan Ben David. As an advocate for ethically sourced content and the use of content creation as a self-development tool, Becky consults and speaks globally. The focus of our conversation today is her documentary, American Birthright, which has garnered international acclaim and is currently being featured all across the country at Jewish film festivals and elsewhere. American Birthright is an exploration of interfaith marriage and Jewish identity. The film starts out as an exploration of intermarriage, which was inspired by Becky's own sister who decided to intermarry. And about a third into the film, she realizes that the questions she's asking are not really about her sister. And what she's really exploring is not really about intermarriage. It's about herself and her relationship to Judaism. And that's where the film really takes off. American Birthright is the film that I've been waiting for. It really takes us along with Becky on her Jewish journey, and it exposes us to so many of the teachers and thinkers that inspired my own journey here in Jerusalem. And I was laughing watching it. I was crying watching it. It is so authentic, so real, so deep, so honest, and I highly recommend it. In this conversation with Becky, who you'll see is very articulate and very deep, we get into so many things, such as creating positive Jewish content, our own Jewish journeys and how they've evolved over time, me recording mine in my book, her in this film, and what that was like, and becoming wives, thank God, and mothers, and the new challenges and blessings of that. So we really cover a lot of ground, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Becky, thank you so much. I'm seriously so excited to speak to you. Um, We have so much to talk about. Totally. Um, Okay, and then feel free to jump in, you know. I'm, I'm, I will. I know you have questions too. So yeah, I do. I do. We'll go back and forth, but um, okay. I kind of want to hear a little bit. And I think listeners will want to hear a little bit about the backstory of what drove you to create American birthright. Man. So I, I always reference this Elizabeth Gilbert book, um, which I listened to as an audio book yeah. called big magic. Yeah. And she talks about how they're right. She talks about how there are creative bodies in potential state and they're looking for host bodies, creative ideas. And I really feel like some creative idea found me at the right place at the right time in my life and career. I was in my later twenties in Hollywood, going to auditions, trying to figure myself out and also trying to figure out my career because a lot of roles that I was going out for were, um, I don't know, not roles that I really wanted to play. And I wasn't even really sure what I wanted to be when I quote unquote grew up. Mm -hmm. And 
I had a writing mentor at the time, Pete Goldfinger, who uh, said, you know, well, you create from what you know, you create from also what you want to be. So what, who are you? And like, what is your brand? And I remember at that time saying, well, I'm always sort of like the Jewish girlfriend (laughs) or the Jewish best friend. And he said, so create from that. And I said, well, what if it's not scripted? And he was like, well, what do you mean? Because he's he's a, a scripted writing mentor. I said, my sister got engaged to a non-Jew and and he's Jewish. Peter Goldfinger was, is Jewish. I said to him, and it's like, it's creating this inner turmoil for me. He's like, why is that such a big deal? And I, I didn't, actually didn't have the answer for him at that time. I said, I don't know. I just know that there's something to this. I feel like it's a really important topic. I feel like interfaith marriage is this like, you know, hot button topic in the Jewish world and it's worth exploring. And I poked around, there were no other movies that explored it in this way. And I said, well, that's first of all, crazy. crazy. And I felt really called and that's it. It was like wow. opportunity, motivation, the right point in my, in my life and a real purpose behind it. Cause I felt like there were other sisters and brothers like me who felt this inner turmoil yes. and who need to figure it out. And that's 100%. how it all started. That's a, that's amazing. And what I love about you and about this whole process with the film is that you started out not having answers, not knowing where it was going to go. And what mm-hmm. I love, one of the things I really love about this film is that you, you show that process throughout as well. And I really love how you started it out exploring intermarriage and and the fact that your sister was going to intermarry. And then you really like pivoted like a third Mm -hmm. into the film. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like this isn't even about my sister. This is about me. And like, I, it's like, it really is like a, a mind blowing moment. Like I have chills talking about it because it's just like, And then you're like, I need to figure this out for myself. Like, I need to figure out these questions because everyone's coming out with with all these opinions. And then you like go on this whole journey of discovering your Jewish identity and like what that means. So like, I think it's just very brief that you started out the project one way and then you you were able to like shift and then also like be open about that shift. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Was that like very hard for you at the time? It's a great question. And thank you for the beautiful summary. Please be my PR. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think as a, as a writer, you are taught to, it's called kill your darlings or kill your babies, which sounds really aggressive. But the idea is that you could be so married to a topic or a character or a storyline, and you have to be willing to just get rid of it. Mm. And that sort of humility in the creative process is very difficult, but it was ingrained in me. So I... Wow after two years of like walking down this one road in this filmic journey, thinking like, this is going to take me here. And the movie is going to be from the beginning of my quote unquote journey and to my sister's wedding. And I'm going to figure myself out and I'm going to have an answer. And my sister gets married and the movie's not even close to being over. And I can feel it. Like you kind of know when your book is done, you kind of know when your paintings, you will always want to rewrite and you'll always find moments and all of that. But this felt completely unfinished. Wow. And it had been years. And I was like, what is going on? And at that moment, I, I knew that I was standing in my film's way. And Mm -hmm. I think that's also like life. You might think when I get married and when I have a kid, I'll feel, and we know (laughs) that's not, I mean, we can definitely talk about that too. I'm there, but that is not, you don't arrive. And I thought I would arrive. Wow. That moment I, I knew I had to dig deeper. And I, I reached back out to different mentors, some of the initial ones that were 
pivotal in my journey. And I also realized, and you see this in the movie, that I really wasn't sitting with many orthodox speakers. The first, right. you know, third of that journey was you see a lot of reform, conservative. I grew up conservative, so I went to, uh, to what I knew. Right. Um, family I sat with. But I, I wasn't seeing many orthodox mouthpieces. And then I felt like, well, what's that about? Mm. Uh, I poked there, was was uh, introduced to a couple really incredible orthodox rabbis. And they also sent me to other people in the industry. Mm. So Rabbi Klatsko, who is a very yeah. pivotal character in the, in the movie, was also a very pivotal character, obviously, in my life, because it's all the same. But he connected me to um, another writer in L.A., Michael Borkow. Mm, I don't know. He's, he's incredible. I mean, he's just like a, just a brilliant mind, but also a prolific writer. Wow. And I respected and respect him in all capacities. And I sat with him for an hour. I thought we were going to talk about my movie and maybe he could connect me to someone in Hollywood. And it was like one of those things. I thought I was walking into an opportunity, but really what it was, was him saying the story that you're telling is wonderful, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And if you stop here and you make this movie as it is, and it could be a fun piece, but there's something deeper here that you're resisting. And he like intellectually sparred with me for an hour. Wow, That's amazing. And that's when I realized the movie was more about my journey and that I'd have to figure out if Torah was true. If, mm-hmm. uh, and if, if Judaism was even the path I wanted to follow to its wow. depth, because if wow. that were true, then I would be able to answer my initial question of, what, what's the deal with interfaith marriage? Should right. I marry Jewish or not? A hundred percent. Cause right. Like, why would you care? Like the degree to which you're going to care about intermarriage depends on where you're yep. holding Jewishly. Like if you know what you're, what you have by being Jewish, then it'll be important to you. Like, and by the way, your sister was really a sport, <laughs> which you really was. She's, she's really special in that way. Yeah. And she was very open. And I remember approaching her too about this. I knew it'd be very intimate and she's very personal and private. And, um, she, she, you know, was like, can I get back to you? And I was like, for sure. She's going to say no, she's going to veto this and that's okay. Uh, and that was it. And she said, no, actually I, I spoke to Justin and we feel like our relationship, this is the purpose of our relationship is to start these conversations together. Wow. And I was like a total full body. I I was, when you said that. That's amazing. Like, wow, yeah. Like what an opportunity. And it was not always easy. And there were some tough conversations and I didn't want to be a jerk and I didn't, you know, want to appear super judgmental, right. but I did want to ask her questions. And then I realized that all the questions, like I have this moment right. in the movie, all the questions I was asking her, I was resisting asking myself. And that was my task. That was, your, that's amazing. And well, another thing, like I said, like I love about this film is that you, sh- you really show up, like you don't hide from the, the, from the difficult things. You really don't like, you're asking really hard questions. You're very, you're like brutally honest. And that's what makes like the jur- going on this journey with you, like so meaningful and so real is like, you know, you're not just like, Oh yeah, I'm inspired. And like, it all makes so much sense. Like you're like really grappling, like even when you're in Israel, you know, and you take us through this whole process of like, you're, you're discovering Judaism, you're, you're inspired, you have these questions, but the end, but then you're like overwhelmed. And then you're like, okay, I need to put it into action. And then you go home. Like w- was having that process like documented. What was that like? It's so interesting. Cause like I wrote my book after everything. So, yeah. so it's very interesting doing it like growing and then documenting while you're going, like, what was that like? And, and did it make it harder for you or like easier? Like, 
It's, you know, when you reflect on it right now, I'm glad that that's your experience. Cause I look back and I go, man, I missed so many opportunities for testimonial conversations in the real moment Mm -hmm. and in real time. It's hard to know how you're growing and that you're growing in real time. Yeah. And so, you know, there are certainly some real interviews in the moment, but I feel like there were few and far between. And I really worried that it wouldn't feel like an authentic journey just because when you're in it, you're in it. And I wanted to, I only, I filmed one day a week, the rest of the time I was in seminary and I was studying and I was experiencing. And so what I'd have to do was that whole week leading up to our Thursday film date, I'd have to be like, okay, I'm doing this. And and it was a lot of hats to wear at once. I was Mm -hmm. the director. I was the producer. I was also the person going through it. So it was very intense. And then of course, undergoing transformation was all of that at once became overwhelming for sure. Wow. But what I will say that really pushed me through all of that was this like figurative audience I imagined Mm. existed somewhere in the future, but I brought them with me. Wow. Knowing that I had to continue to fight through the ups and downs because there would be a movie. And that movie at first I was like, is this some like selfish um, pursuit where I just want to feel special and and make a movie. And I, (laughs) Sure. Probably like who doesn't, you know, like, cool. Sure. I want to document my life, but it actually helped me more than anything to know that I had to make this movie. And I, and I would kind of feel silly that I've committed to this and people have really, you know, given me resources and opportunities. I was forced in a way to finish the journey and quicker, I think, than if there were no cameras and there was no figurative audience. And so I personally think the documentary process, maybe one day I'll create a, a transformative curriculum. We'll see, but I think wow. to create a documentary, even if no one will ever see it, but just that journey, that process, the commitment to the process is life-changing. It completely wow. forced me to do things I never would have. It's very cool. Yeah. Cause you weren't a lot of people, I feel like, you know, they'll spend years going through what you did in a few months, you know, yeah. like and, and asking and then, and then pausing and coming back to it. And you didn't have that luxury. <laughs> you just you needed answers and you need to figure it out. Like you needed to figure it out. So in a way it was kind of like a blessing that, yes. and you, I think you were also ready for that. I think you really, it, there was a lot leading up to your trip that made you like ready. And you were older too. Like I was much younger was, yeah. on, my, on my initial um, trip, but I actually want to ask you like what for people who are listening, who are like starting out their Jewish journey do you have any advice for them? Like, or for people who are kind of starting out where you, where you were at the beginning of the film? Yeah. I mean, I I think you have to know yourself and you have to know where you are, but I don't know that I even knew where I was, you know? So I'm like the example of completely lost, (laughs) but you know, in, in the, in the sense of what lost means, like not really sure, did not come from a religious family, didn't really have a, um, an idea of what the process looked like. I didn't have any other friends really that went to seminary wow. People who told me about it, but didn't know what that looked like or what it would look like on the other side coming back. Wow. And I was older than all of the girls right. by like 10 years at a minimum. <laughs> so, so like there, all of these things just really could have, they stood in my way. So for right. the older people listening who feel like it might be too late or this is ridiculous or what does it look like? It's, it's not uh, any of that. And also I, I wanted to have a good time with it. I think how yeah. you approach anything is the experience you have through it. And yes. I just like, 
I knew I needed to take some time for myself. I, I knew that this would probably be the last time I could do it in this sort of capacity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have fun. And I think to me, a coping mechanism throughout my whole life, and it's interesting being home, like this is where I went to middle school and high school, um, yeah. is that I always sort of like imagined I was in a, a movie of my own, which I think we're all players. We're all the leads in a movie of our own yeah. lives. But that inspired me. Like I'd look around as, you know, my family as the characters and as the settings. And I was like writing my life. I was co-creating this story and it would energize me and it would like excite me to like see what's next and to be excited about the unknowns. And when tough times happened, well, I knew that like that had to be written into the movie because there's no fun, exciting movie to watch that doesn't have drama or sadness or difficulty. So it's find your fun, find the way that you can have fun with it. And Uh and I have a friend who is at uh, Neve right now, who was the same age. She's the same age that I was when I oh, went. Wow. She was really inspired by my movie. And I was like, that's crazy. She's like she asked to watch it again the week before she made the final decision to go. And I was like, this no is insane. Was, like, what a gift. What a wow. gift. You got to tell- send her to us. We'll, uh, we'll host her. Yay. We're- oh, yeah. that's great. Cause that's yeah. the thing that she's been asking about. Okay. Perfect. That will be yeah. done. I will absolutely connect you. But I think a big thing for her and that we continue to talk about is that you will find and should find and can find your shade of Jew, like your color, your stroke, your, your vibe, your style. There are so many ways to Jew. And (laughs) I did not know that. And I felt like it all just would be like this, you know, the black and white style, which by the way, like no judgment, it just was did not feel as authentic to my expression. And so I felt like, well, it must look like this. Right what if I don't want to be that? And so when I went to Israel and met all these colorful, awesome people with different ways to be, and also people with black and white who were also very colorful and amazing and deep and like mind blowing. I, all of my preconceived notions were shattered. And so the biggest thing is to be open, Mm -hmm. not to be so open that your brain falls out. And that was a Mr. Horowitz thing that he told me uh, during a meeting right before I went, he is a a big player. And the reason I went to Neve, wow. he said, you have to have an open mind, not so open that anything can infiltrate, but open enough that you can receive things, look at them and walk with them. Wow. And that's become my thing. Like walk with questions, wow. let them, let them be with you, walk with them. That's amazing. I think you're, you're naturally obviously like a very curious person. And I feel like so much learning and growth happens when you're curious and when you're having fun and like, that's the best way to be. And, and so that's also what makes watching your journey, like such a pleasure that it is like that, even though it's, it's a heavy topic, it's very like existential in certain ways. Um, you have that like curiosity and playfulness that like makes it so fun. And, um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree also because when I grew up in the five towns, so there are a lot of different types of Orthodox Jews, but in my mind, like an Orthodox Jew looked a certain way also, and it did not feel authentic to me. So it was very scary in the beginning because all the truths that I was learning was like resonating with me. But then I'm like, do I have to look like this woman, you know, like, like these women, like I, I, but then you, right. In Israel, especially there's so many types of Jews that, you know, are, are, observing the Torah, but they look so different. And even just, and even my husband and I always say, we're like colorful Jews that are like black and white on the outside, but colorful on the inside. Like my husband wears black and white. He goes to the yeshiva, but, but he's such a like independent thinker. And like you're saying, like he's open-minded, but he knows his values and, but he thinks for himself, you know? So 
all these things are so important, like being true to yourself and authentic and finding your, your way to Jew. I love how you, I love how you put that. Yeah. Well, it's also what you write in your book too, like your experiences of going to Shabbat with different families. And I so related to like, it, it was so tough and you had a, a tough time. I wanted to ask you too about your, your relationship to your family oh, yeah. now, because yeah. it was definitely really trying. My parents were super sort of like open and accepting. And yes, there was some pushback, like there, as I feel like most people experience, they, yeah. they want you to be uh, careful and they don't want you to fall into something that's not for you. And no one wants anyone to be brainwashed. And that was a fear yeah. I had of going into the experience of like, I didn't want to be converted, which is right. so funny because I'm Jewish, like converted to what, right. but I, right. I get that. I get that mentality. Um, but that, that difficulty that you had of like not spending Shabbat with your family, because it just yeah. wasn't as connective as spending it with other families. And I so related to that. It was so beautiful, thank but you. how is your relationship to your family now? Thank, thank God. It's, it's good. I've always been close to my parents, which I think made the transition to being more observant so hard because I was so close with them, you know? So it almost in the beginning felt like this like wedge that like came between us. Um, but thank God now we've, we're still very close. Um, they, you know, they, they accept it as much as they will accept it. And I think at this point, they just want me to come home from Israel. (laughs) Like They're fine with me being religious at this point, just like don't move to Israel because for them, that's, that's very hard to be so far. But, um, but no, thank God there is support as supportive as I could hope. There's still sometimes some tension, you know, when we, when we come to visit and that's like more of where it crops up when we're spending time together in person, but, um, overall they are as supportive as I could hope they would be. And the way that the world is going now, like there are times when my mom says to me, like, I'm, I'm really glad that you're raising kids who are going to be more observant, you know, in this world, <laughs> in this world that we find ourselves in now. So, and, uh, she said, my mom says Baruch Hashem now, and you know, like they've also kind of grown a little bit. And so it's, it's, it's been interesting, but thank God we're, we're in a good place. I love that. I love hearing that. And that's also really inspiring. I think for people who are starting out on their journeys is that things aren't going to be exactly how they are in the beginning for good or for worse, right? Like parents might've kept it at first and then they really see the change and then they don't. So that flux is natural and it's part of the process and everyone's on their, everyone's on their journey. And I think that's also accepting that like my mom's resistance comes from her story and comes from her narrative and comes from her triggers. And that's, that's okay. That's the point of life is for all of us to intermingle in that way and affect each other. Exactly. And I always try to come back to mutual respect. I feel like as long as we respect can respect each other and, and we, at the end of the day, we love each other and and they want what's best for me. And, you know, so, so yeah, Baruch Hashem, it's, it's, uh, it's, but I, but actually thinking of speaking of family, I wanted to ask you because the film, the film ends with the engagement, like the proposal scene, which I love. And then like the ending credits, you have scenes from your wedding, which looks so beautiful. And I wish I was there, but can you tell me like how you met your husband, like a little bit, maybe give us a little bit more of the, of where you yeah. met your husband and, and where he was coming from. Like, did he, I'm sure he had some sort of journey as well. Um, so yeah, I wanted to hear about that. I'm, I'm not often asked about it, which is really interesting. So thank you for asking. I, Elisa Ben Shalom, who's the, um, the matchmaker. She was? she was awesome. Yeah, she wasn't my matchmaker. She was a matchmaker in the movie. Oh, okay, I actually didn't have a match, and which and I'll tell you, but she says this thing about like you have to sort of be really specific and have blinders on. And yeah. I I think up until the moment I accepted that as true. Like I had to first of all figure out all the things on my to-do list to a place where I felt aligned and good. And I felt like that list would get me to a place of some sort of like Jewish solidity within myself, like some sort of like solid understanding and foundation, at least 
to start. And then from there, and I had to do that on my own, by the way, I couldn't do it while dating. I couldn't do it influenced by anybody else. I had to do it in the quiet by myself with my mentors, with myself, with God. Once I had a solid foundation, then I wanted to get, and finally become really clear on who would that partner be that could accentuate compliment and live with, and also elevate where I had gotten to where I'd arrived. And again, I knew I would evolve, but at least, you know, could you have a foundation? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like step one, get to foundation, do it alone, ideally. In the court. And then two is like align with yourself and then get clear on sort of like, what does that person look like? What are some of the Mm non-negotiables? I I don't care about hair color and all that stuff, but get like pretty clear. Right. And then, and then walk in the world. And so what happened is I got to those step one and two, and I was still in Israel and I had, had this sort of like, do I stay in Israel? Maybe, maybe my soulmates here. Mm -hmm. And I had made a decision that I was going to stay in Israel Okay. And I called my mom and she was like, no problem. Like you're from Israel. I'm from Israel. I have no problem with Israel, but maybe, maybe first just like come back with all of that truth, come back to where you just were and sit with it. Mm. And something in what she said and something about Israel just being so tough sometimes. God, (laughs) It's just so tough. I said, you know what? Let me just, let me go back to LA. And as soon as I got back, I said, you know, I love Israel. I miss Israel. Maybe I'll be there one day, but no, actually I think my soulmates here. And I met Nathan oh. two months later. No way. We met two, like a couple months after I got back and we met through friends. Through friends. It was, it was, we had a mutual friend and we, I, that at that time I was getting these, I was getting these um, Moisha house micro grants to create community events. Okay. And I teamed up with them. I was like always trying to build community. And I was like back in the Pico Robertson community, trying to be more involved and get and find the people, find my people. And they asked me if I I wanted to team up on a cool silent disco event for, um, I think it was Purim or Sukkot. It was a holiday. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I bought the silent disco, uh, microphones with my micro grant and we rented them and that was a party. And I remember meeting Nathan, very briefly. And we have very different stories of this where like, he immediately was like, I want to talk to her. And I was too busy focused on the event to really give him energy. And so he had sort of been like, well, I guess that's, that's not happening. And one of our friends sent out a photo of me and like, I was wearing a dress and like a a longer t-shirt. And like, I was kind of throwing up a, like a rock star sign. And he was like, like, she's religious, but like really cool. And that who is who is she? And our mutual <laughs> friend was like, "Yeah, she, she's she's cool. She's she's good." And so we hung out again. And at that second hangout, I finally was like quiet and centered and was able to see him. And I remember him walking in, opening a laptop with like a Google document to help produce this other thing that we were working on together. And I joke that like he had me at Google Docs because if you have a Google Doc and you're organized and you just shared a Google Doc with me, like we're gonna we're gonna as a producer like oh we're God. gonna we're gonna mesh. And I immediately felt such a like kindred spiritness, but didn't know much about him still. I, I knew that he was religious and colorful and exciting and musical too, but not enough. And so the next time we hung out, I asked a bunch of questions and I found out that he was Moroccan as well. So my mom said, oh. Moroccan. both sides are Moroccan. He's Moroccan. He grew up in Israel, raised in the Valley. So also like Israeli speaks fluent Hebrew, has Israeli parents, but is oh, Americanized. Which I was like, that would be an ideal. My ideal was like Sephardi has Israeli roots, but like is American because I 
I couldn't right. really see myself with an Israeli. I'm too Americanized, I think. Right. It's like all of these things oh fit. My gosh, all lined up. And and what I will say that was different dating him um, is that, and I joked about it last night with my mom, is that every other boyfriend was like fun and games for a little while. And you're just like, this is cool. And thanks for taking me to the, with him. It was like, what do you want? What's important to you? I did not have time to waste. I came with a list of all of the things that were important to me. Like we really dated and because it wasn't shidduch dating. We weren't set up where it was like it sort of expected that you would go on a few dates and be very serious. It was casual. It was with friends. You know, we barely even went on a date until the maybe seventh time we we all hung wow. out. And, but when we did have that date, uh, it was all of the questions being asked. And he was not turned off by that. In fact, wow. I think he was so grateful to also meet somebody who who cared, who oh knew what gosh. she wanted, who was very specific with her future. Wow. And that was, that was a game changer. And I think coming to dating with that sort of mentality and mindset and expectation is a game changer. Wow. So that's what we met. And we knew, I mean, within a few months we were engaged, we got married less than a year after we, you know, probably like nine months after we met. Wow. That's so and, beautiful. Yeah. I love that you're saying that because just earlier today, I was listening to, to something about dating apps and the, and the whole dating world today. And I just feel so blessed to be in this world of Jewish, to have been in the world of Jewish dating, where you're kind of, you're, you're meeting somebody with the understanding, like I've worked through myself. Like you said, like I, I went through the similar thing where I really worked on myself by on my own and went on my own journey and figured myself out and worked through my issues as much as I could, you know, and then to be able to meet someone from that place of like, okay, I'm actually ready to get married and here are my values and here's the home I want to create. And does it, do we like match up? Does it, does this align? And um, that that's such like a beautiful thing. And, and unfortunately I think it's pretty rare in today's world. So I hope this is empowering for the women who listen that any guy who's going to be like turned off from you having your stuff together is not for you. (laughs) And he's not ready within himself. So you don't want that. Like that's, that. that's too much. We have so much to work on ourselves. Yeah. And when you have the right partner, you are working on yourself with somebody else also working yes. on himself. And that's yes. so empowering and wonderful. And then bringing children into the world. You know, I, I reflect back on the scene with my sister and Justin and the interfaith counselor. Yes. Who, when she, when Kira asked my sister, what do you see as being like Jewish about your home? Yeah. And my sister goes, Hmm, I don't know. Like, that's a really good question, but I don't know. Right. I was like, at that time, I remember being in the interview, wondering if I knew right, and feeling really worried that I didn't know wow. what would be Jewish about my home. Like is a mezuzah Jewish? Is that Jewish enough? And then if I bring in children, like how are they going to even know they're Jewish mm. in such an assimilated world? If we live in America, right. And that was like a huge wake up call in the process for me of like, okay, this really isn't just about my sister. Like little pieces started to, wow. to you know, kind of chip away at any sense of certainty I had. And so now coming at my marriage and also raising a child from this place of we both know what's intrinsically Jewish about our home and what's going to continue to be Jewish and the areas that we're still in exploration around. Right. You know? All of that stuff is so wonderful and connective. And I couldn't imagine not having that and sort of having to skirt around, like, are we doing a bleat or are we going to do, are we doing Hebrew names or like, 
what's, what's the deal with Shabbat? Like, do we like candles? Do we go out? You know, so not having to worry about that because it's just who we are and how we show up is such a relief, but also really exciting. Cause I know that my daughter's going to know who she is. Yes. Oh, such a gift to give to your children. <laughs> it really, really is. And it's, it's just so beautiful how conscious you are about all this and how you really ask those questions. Like, I think for me, like be, also because you come from like, I think stronger Jewish roots than I did because your parents are Israeli. And so that was like, and then the, so when your sister intermarried, it was like almost like an alarm, like yeah, I have to yeah. figure this out. Whereas I think for me, like I was just going along the secular assimilated American path that so many American Jews who don't have those Israeli roots end up, you know, and, totally. you know, like I think about my secular friends who get married and, you know, they register for the menorah and they register for the Shabbat candles and, and that's beautiful. But I don't right. know how many of them are thinking like, what's my home going to look like Jewishly? I just think that they, you know, they do what their parents did. And, you know, and I would, I was going along that route. And, and then I ended up on the trip, you know, as I talk about in, in my book and everything changed. And I was like forced to ask, like, for me, it was like the trip that, that started it just, it made me look at myself and, and ask these questions. But um, yeah. Those I think trips that's are so powerful. So I also, powerful. I, I went on a mirror trip in college with my sister. Oh my gosh. And- okay. Those were though it was the most incredible trip. I remember like really wanting to, her to go on that trip because she was already dating Justin in college. They met early on. Wow. And I was like, oh, she's married, she's dating a non-Jew. I never thought they'd get married at that time, but I was like, wow. the fact that's even a thing. Cause I was always I dated non-Jews too, but it was right. always important to me to eventually end up with a Jew. Right. Somewhere deep down, like I was like, I feel like I'll just end up with one, but I don't know. And right. When we went on that trip, there were, we went to Neve for a day. And I remember reading permission to believe, yeah. not permission to receive. Like that was, that was right. years later, which is wild in my movie, but permission to believe and being like, ah, so there is God. Like I knew <laughs> it. And my sister and I talking about it and like sitting in a class with Rabbi Marcus yes. about numerology and Kabbalah. And I was like, yes. like, I knew he was talking about a table and how a table exists. And it, like, all of it just blew my mind. But I was like, yes. Is it? This is real. This is, and you have you put these like deep experiences into such beautiful. It was so simple how you wrote these things. Like I don't know how you did that. And I like, can you teach a class? I also had to have a question about how you chose the tense of the book. Oh yeah, because you choose it in present. Which I had a very similar decision to make with the master interviews. Yeah, the ones I'm dressed in red throughout. We shot those later. Right. Those were in right. real time. Right. So I also was like, I'm going to speak as if I am in the moment, though I'm not. And that was a right. that was a like a documentary, like ethics question that I had of like, can right. I am right. I lying? But but to me, I wasn't because I was recounting honest in the moment yeah. experiences yeah. that I had documented for myself in my diary or through my experiences. And I wanted to make sure I gave that to the audience. Yeah. So they follow. So it's sort of like, how did you pick that tense in your book? It's a good question. Yeah. I wanted to bring people with me on the journey and I'm sure maybe this is is how you decided as well. And I just feel like it's more powerful to be with the person in the moment than when they're sitting there telling you, you know, from present tense. I just, for me, it had to be in present tense. Even though, I don't know, it just had to be like, I felt like I wanted to bring people with me in the moment. So yeah. It's amazing. And I, I think I told you this. So it was our couple of Shabbats that my husband and I read it. Like we read pieces at a time. Sometimes I'd read out loud and then I'd always end up crying. And then <laughs> it was, it was just, it's, you write about very similar things. Like 
there was at one point, and this is what I wanted to say that my husband was reading a piece of it to himself. Cause I'd already read ahead and he was like, let me catch up. And he yeah. read it and started laughing. He was like, you could have written this meaning not the whole book or the experience, right, but right. that yeah. line that you wrote and he read it out loud. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. So it's so special. And I think what it's just, it's, it's special. And I don't want to like, you know, overanalyze what I think was happening there for both of us and how we both were able to bring that down into creative expressions. Yours is written and mine is visual, right? but it's, it's so, it's such a profound experience and to be able to make it manifest and share in any way with other people and in any way, inspire them is just like so moving and touching. And I think I'm having a really tough time, even like understanding what I made. And so I wonder wow. for you, like your book inspired, like, we're like, I think we, we got to go to Israel. Like we got to go to Israel. Like you, there's so many things about your, or like, Oh no, I'm really inspired about this. There some of everything that you wrote was just so powerful. So what, what are you, what do you, how, what have you experienced after you published the book? It's so funny. And, I was going to ask the same thing. I was going to ask you like what the feedback's been for the film. And then, and then maybe after we could talk about our, well, I'll, I'll get to that after. Okay. World domination. Okay, cool. Yeah, world yeah. domination. Exactly. <laughs> uh, first feedback, the world domination. So, um, so yeah. So thank you so much. First of all, coming from you really means a lot. And um, yeah, so thank God. I, I really got amazing feedback from the book, um, emails and, and people reaching out to me, you know, social media in all different ways. And, you know, people, what's so interesting is there are people who read it, who were touched to some of not even Jewish, some people who wow. are Jewish, but not religious, some people who are re- born religious, Hasidish and, and like, are like super, you know, but they're not like feeling it. They're not inspired. And they're like, wow, you, you like woke something, mm-hmm. up, woke something up in me. It's like so moving. And, and I, I even had, I had one therapist reach out to me and she had a client, she had a client who's like secular and kind of debating, like, should I go study in Israel? Should I not? And she said, can I put, can I give her your book? Can I put you in touch? And we've been in touch over the past couple of years. And like, so it's really just, it's just amazing. And, um, just very humbling. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, it's been very positive. Thank God. And very humbling. And, um, yeah. So, and inspires me actually <laughs> I'm like re, re-inspired because I, because as we could talk about the, the journey evolves and some, and when you're a wife and a mother, sometimes, you know, it's hard to, to when you're in the trenches, you don't always feel so inspired from that initial experience. Yeah. And so when I have, so like, I almost, I almost feel like a different person than the person who went through all that. So when I, when I have somebody who read that and is inspired and lets me know, it's like, I, I plug back into it. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And I think that is such a beautiful marker that we can now always have. And I'm so glad that I pushed through and made that movie. And now it's yes. like, you know, uh, Aaron, my film partner, like jokes about American birthright part two, where I become a rabbi, like obviously <laughs> not a rabbi, but the part two, which doesn't need to be a movie at all is this next iteration of myself. Cause it's like, I found my, self, a part of myself that needed to be brought into alignment and integrated so that I could sort of merit my life now. Right. And now, and, and that's a continuation. So I right. wonder like, what's your volume two, right. you know, of, and, and, and I'd love to pick your brain. You're, you've been a wife and a mother for longer than I have. And as wow. you said, it's, it's not, it's a tough and a beautiful challenge. Yes. Uh, you know, just like a movie is just like writing a book. It's, it's new and you hit blocks and you hit, you know, revelations and all of that. Um, do you have any tips for the new mom who 
and doesn't have childcare because it's COVID and COVID stinks and is an artist and a creative, but it's also like trying to figure out what's next and what's important now that time is far more limited far more. than before. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's, what's it been like for you and how has creativity continued to sort of flourish in your life? It's a very, very good question. Um, okay. So I wrote the book before she was born. Um, I have one daughter, Rachel, she's four. And, um, so I, I remember like, I literally was finishing it as I entered my ninth like month, like literally the whole, like I wrote it. Um, it took me like a year and a half to write. So I started it before I got pregnant, took a little break when I was sick in the pregnancy. And then I kept, and then I pushed through and kept going. And once she was born, like all hell broke. <laughs> um, like, I don't know how else to describe it in terms of like identity shifts. And I just, I like lost myself. I totally lost myself. And I remember my editor said to me like, okay, Jenna, you're going to have this baby goggling and you are going to like, forget that like creative part within you for a while, but like, she's still there. Like, you know, and so, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's hard because especially for me, like I didn't grow up around babies. I didn't know how to change a diaper. I didn't know anything. It was a huge learning curve for me. And I, I really did struggle with, um, major postpartum anxiety and a little bit of postpartum depression. I think mostly just from like the lack of sleep basically. But, um, cause once the sleep piece fell back into place, I, I felt better, but I literally basically went 10 months without like a night's sleep, which was insane. Yeah. And I, so I, I couldn't create, you know, in those circumstances. And okay. then eventually I got to a point where I started to find my footing again. And I said, okay, I can start creating again. And at that point, the book was still a draft. And so I said, why don't I, the, the thought of putting it out into a book at that point, even though I had the, the manuscript, but I was like, it feels too much right now. Let me just see if I can get it out in a magazine, just like as a week by week thing. So I just reached out to Ami magazine and they were interested. And so I had it written. All I had to do was submit like piece by piece each week. Wow. And that's how, that's how I got it out initially. And then that, and they said, you know, we're, we don't want you to publish it as a book until the serial is over. So the serial took a year um, piece by piece. Oh. Yeah. And then when that was done, I was like, okay, now I'm going to put it out as a book. And so that's then, fantastic. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So then I put it out as a book, which was great too, because people recognized it from the magazine. Um, and so that, so that was really cool. But to answer your question with limited help and limited time, I think for me, I've had to just really like hone in on like, how am I going to feed myself creatively and spiritually and emotionally in the ways I need to, so that I can then give to my family and my daughter and show up for them in the best way. And like, not depend on them for my happiness. Like I, and I'm sure you're like this too. I need to create, um, to feel fulfilled. I need, and I mean, that's, that's a big reason I have this podcast. It's very selfish <laughs> endeavor, um, but I needed, I need something like that because um, that it really like feeds me. And, um, and I remember one mentor telling me, you know, the biggest blessings come with the biggest challenges. And I think being a mother, I mean, there's no bigger blessing than having a child and like it by, by no greater challenge. <laughs> So um, I, I just think it's so important that we give ourselves the time, even though the time is limited and we always have the mundane things pulling at us, like the laundry and the dishes and those things never go away. But it's like, in order for me to show up to those things with a smile on my face, I need to, I need to fill the creative part. It's ugh, it. So you just said so many things that I so related to the postpartum anxiety, the not sleeping for me it was for seven months until we decided to get a little help. So a lot of that was the same. I, I was overwhelmed by tiny little tasks before I could produce 14 things at once. And by the way, not only 
was I raising a baby full time? I was producing a series for oh Open God. Door Media, which is now finally seeing the light of day. It was, in, it was insane. Oh and uh, a short film and a music video. And so I was like, oh. you know, feeding her while on a Zoom call. And it was, um, yeah, it was a lot. It was definitely That's a lot. lot. My capacity was stretched. And I was recently working on this with my coach. I finally decided I was going to like, you know, I think sometimes you need time to let that yes. be. And then I could reflect on it, which just sounds like what you did with your book is like, yes. let me in respect hindsight is 2020. So let me give myself the anxiety for a few months. Yeah. Though I think I should have probably gotten a little bit of help sooner, Me but too. that said, yeah, in <laughs> retrospect, I think what was happening for us, and I don't know if you, you know, um, can relate to this, but we had come to life with this plate and it felt like there was overwhelm and the plate was getting too full. There's too much on my plate. Yes. So naturally what most people do is they take stuff off of their plate. Right. But I think instead we're being called to not be a plate anymore. We're a platter, you know, we're a plata. We're just bigger. We're hotter now. And wow. that is, it's very confronting to be that big. And so, yes. you know, especially for, we had come to know ourselves as plates. And wow. so the platter upgrade triggers a lot of like, you know, survival and, and restriction and tension and anxiety. And what is this? And I think now it's um, connecting to Hashem in a deeper way. It's re for me, it's like redefining what self-care even looks like before it was like a massage and nails. And now I'm like 30 minutes of uninterrupted emails. Like, just let me answer emails and I'll feel like I was, it's fun. You know, a cup of coffee for five minutes in the quiet, that is self-care. I know. the things you come to appreciate when you become a mom. It's really amazing. <laughs> and you hear this and you intellectualize it, but it's lived now. And so yes. you have a four-year, four-year-old now. Um, I wonder if you look back, I think for me, I'm just like, tell me when it gets like better. There's a light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> there is. And, and I say it to new moms. I'm like, you will sleep. You will sleep again. I promise. Yes. Um, yeah. When did you? Did, yeah. 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 It really, really does. I think when she started honestly, when I put her in, in gone, when I put her in like a date in a play group, even for a few hours, but just having a few hours, like you said, it's like, Oh my gosh, like my mind would explode with all the potential things I could do in those hours. Yeah. I was just, yeah. yeah. So I think that for me was when I really started to feel like myself again, when I had a little bit of time to just like do all the things, um, uninterrupted and, um, yeah, for sure. Um, it's really, it's really a big journey being a creative woman and then going through becoming a mother and yeah, kind of how that all interplays. And then, like you said, like, what's like the next book. And I was actually going to ask you like, what's next for you. And, but I I think for me, like, I kind of want to explore this chapter of, of, I don't want to call it like struggle, but the, you know, like you're, it's so everything in the beginning, when you first meet your partner, it's so new, it's so fresh. And then you, and then like married life and then child and like everything really changes. And so I kind of want to like juxtapose those two things because we met and fell in love in Jerusalem. And now we're back in Jerusalem, you know, six, seven years later as a married couple with a child. And like, we, I literally will be like in the same time, the same place as like something that happened seven years ago, like a memory will trigger of like when we were dating and when we first met and all these things. And now when I'm like, I'm struggling to be a, a plata, as you say, like to, to be a bigger vessel and, and all the struggle that comes along with that. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm kind of thinking about juxtaposing that, but it's hard. Well, for you hear something funny. Yeah. To, sorry to interrupt. And I love, mm-hmm. I love that idea. When I was in seminary, I forget who the speaker was, but I remember jotting this down. I was like, write a movie 
where it starts at the end. Usually the credits roll at the happily ever after the couple kisses. Yes. Credits roll and they live happily ever after the end in cursive. And I wanted that to be the beginning of the movie. Yes. The credits roll and we literally walk into the rest of the life and and we show and elucidate and talk about and explore and make light of, but also show the heaviness of real day-to-day life of what work looks like. Because I think you're right. You get that initial flash of light and then the real work begins. And And that's, that's, I have chills. I mean, I think that that's such a powerful um, thing to me, you know, so like my next piece, and I, I don't know, it's been tough um, committing to one piece because I'm right. waiting for that same big magic moment where it's like, aha, right. and I don't know that it's going to be just like that again. And I'm not relying on that. Right. I think now after a year of very busy production, my husband and I started a media company when COVID started last year. So February, 2020, right after we got married, we started Manifest Media, like Mana wow. Manifest. I love that. And- we love it. I mean, we just felt so connected to that. It's like bringing down this like, you know, fluffy yumminess and making from it what we can and want and, you know, conscious, mindful media and business was just boom. Like we didn't have to do any biz dev. People just came to us and wanted to create content for social, uh, a series and this people pass us around. And now again, initial light flash of inspiration, busy, busy, busy. And now we're being sort of called on and asked like, well, what's next? What do you want to make? Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of client work, but what if you develop some of your own originals? And I see a real need in Hollywood for as, you know, like positive Jewish representation. Yes. Um, I just re- recently saw a couple different articles that were shared with me of like Jews actually playing Jews. Um, Midge Maisel played by a non-Jew, right? Mm-hmm. Like disobedience played by non- like all of the people playing these big Jews, they, they just cast, um, who's, why can't I remember the comedian Joan Rivers being played by non-Jew. So, you know, so Jews representing Jews content that's rich in Jewish, uh, representation scripted and not scripted. Um, But my background is in the scripted world. So I kind of am uh, toying with a couple different original ideas for dramas and comedies Mm. and, um, putting it out there to, um, to maybe find some people who want to be involved in conscious content from yeah. the Jewish world or not, and teaming up, finding our like conscious army of creatives and seeing what we can do to really make a change in the content world. Like, you know, I know TV, I know film, I know social media. Now it's about not wanting to get that, you know, um, comfortable client money, but to create from my own. And that's tough. Yeah. The documentary I funded myself, I raised some money. Wow. Um, and that was a lot. It was a lot of like, you know, hustling. So that's sort of our next task is building up our company, creating our original content, and hopefully making that dent in the market that we think really needs to be made. Yes. I think that, yes, yes, yes. I think there's probably so many people who are going to listen to this and be like cheering <laughs> because right. there, there needs to be more positive Jewish content, um, especially in the mainstream media. And I mean, people, when I talk to people about it, sometimes people are very skeptical that, you know, Netflix and Amazon want to produce, um, or show positive Jewish content. Um, but what's your thoughts on that? They do. They do. They do. Um, so without speaking too much, there is one series that I was just approached to uh, be a cultural producer for. So it'd basically be the person who ensures that there is a positive, <laughs> like that would be my role. That's so cool. like, 
Whoa, whoa. That it's would like be your life calling. <laughs> I mean, I, fe- I feel that way, whether I get that position or not. I think it's just a sign that God is telling me like, this is something that's important that you yes. can do. You come from, I sort of speak the many different dialogues of the Jewish yes. world and the non-Jewish world. I know non-Jewish content and Jewish content. I know both sides of the industry um, and, and it's dynamic and that interplay is important. Yes. Um, so yes, I do believe they want to. I do also know that you know, the media does believe that specific things sell Uh, about 13 years ago when I moved to California, I remember pitching spiritual content to this unscripted company. So they did like project runway and all this stuff. And I said, Ooh, what about like a spiritual show about was really into astrology. So I was like about this and this, and they listened, they like humored me for a sec. And then they said, but that doesn't really sell. soap. spirituality doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. That was 13 years ago. Now there is a lot of spiritual content. So Mm -hmm. that has changed. And I think there's a lot more change to be done. Media executives are still super limited in what they think will work. They will, they don't want to take risks because there's a lot of money at stake. Of course. So I think yeah, even just creating American Birthright or you know, it's like we we create these things because we want to have an example to say, look, this worked. Okay, it, it might have worked in a smaller capacity because it was an indie film and it like, yeah, it won some awards, but like this is a small example. And here's why it worked. Yes. It, it was no big organization that had like Kirub at the heart. There it was authentic and vulnerable. It was this and that. And you sort of like show yes. what can be done. And you say, we have no agenda. We create honestly. We're yes. committed to truth and truth will sell. Yes. But truth has to sell. Yes. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think this film is, it's, it was so needed in the world. Like even just for me, like it's so validating. Like I went on this whole journey. I went on these trips. I know so many of the people, the teachers and speakers in your film. And, and it's so frustrating. Like when I went to Israel and I came back and I couldn't articulate to my family and friends, like what I had gone through and like who yeah. I had met and your film, I'm just going to like watch this film. You will get a taste, you know, of the, of the Israel experience and, and getting into that learning. So yeah, I think your, your film is like so promising. And um, if that's your first film, like I'm very excited to see what's to come, please God at the right time. And uh, Becky, this was amazing. Thank you so much. So special. You've re-inspired me in so many ways. Thank you for this gift. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. I hope we can continue to be in touch. I'm here for you if you ever need a reminder. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I really feel the same way. I was so inspired by your film. And I mean, I was crying like throughout. It was amazing. And can you tell listeners how they can view your film and connect with you online? Absolutely. So we have a website. It's American Birthright film.com. Okay. AmericanBirthrightFilm.com has all of our screenings. So we have 11 film festivals in the next few months, which is just wild. Wild. Um, Additionally, I am doing some small workshops and like, you know, by, by demand and small screenings. Um, There is no opportunity in Israel yet. I'm not in in an Israel festival. So I am definitely hopeful to have like a group in Israel that I can screen to. And so there is also like a book now or in an email also at the bottom of the website to reach out directly to us whether it's info at AmericanBirthrightFilm.com. Um, you can reach out to me also on my social. Um, okay. It's my name, Becky Tahel. So at B-E-C-K-Y-T-A-H-E-L on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm like so open to creating whatever sort of filmic viewing experience works. We have a group in Maryland that reached out and was like, we want to we want to screen this to small groups of like three to four people at a time and like facilitate conversation. That's amazing. 
boom, done. And so even to you, it's like, great. Can I bring on other people with me here and there? So it's not just my voice. So there's other Mm -hmm. people. And so I'm open to that. I'm open to that. But then also it, it is available for people to see just at home whenever. Amazing. Okay. I would love to, to do a screening in Israel. So we'll have to talk about that. Um, that It'd be amazing. Um, okay. Becky, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I enjoyed so much talking to you. So thank you. Likewise. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share with your family and friends. Be blessed.